the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome into the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Looking forward to spending the next hour with you. We're going to talk about your money and how we grow it and how you get ready for financial independence. They specialize in getting you to that point at Aptus Wealth Management with a blueprint for your end of your career situation financially. Their number at Aptus is 614-917-1040. You can also reach them online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. They'll set up a free consultation with you. You'll get to know them. They'll get to know you. They'll talk about your goals, about your risk tolerance and other things, and see where it progresses from there. My wife and I have done it, and we have great peace of mind with having done that free consultation, and I'd highly recommend that you take the time. You'll learn a lot about where you are and about investment strategies and things of that nature. So let's get into it. Josh, welcome to the show, and uh, Good to be with you here as we get ready for the Christmas holidays and the New Year's holiday. So let's start with the weekly um, news events. We had a Fed rate hike this week, although the end of the 75 basis point rate hikes, we had four in a row. That was a record, I think, three consecutive months. It was a record to do it two in a row, three in a row, and four in a row. Now we have a half a percent point uh, basis point hike. I think they've raised... The interest rate's 4.25% this year so far. And Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, says we are going to get control of inflation. Uh, This latest change sparked a uh, downturn in the markets, and a lot of people now say that a recession is inevitable. You observed this from uh, close range. What did you make of the Fed decision this week and the assumptions that people drew from it? I don't think it was a surprise to anybody uh, that the rate hike was a half a percent. Uh, I don't think really anyone believed it was going to be a quarter or they were going to continue with a three-quarter run. So, you know, that's that's kind of, we all kind of knew that was coming. What was a surprise is how drastic the stock market re- reacted to yeah. it. And I, I think that really points back to things that are, you know, remember the stock market, and I almost talk about it like it's a living, breathing thing. The people who are watching the stock market uh, can be very emotional. And there was this underpinning of the conversation that, You know, the chairman said, and that is, we are going to get inflation under control and we will continue to raise interest rates in spite of whatever the market does. Yeah. And almost abandoning that approach where we heard for so long, we're trying to bring this in for a soft landing. It was almost like soft landing be darned. We have a big problem in inflation and we're going to get it under control. And that feeling sent a shockwave through the market and you saw the way that it reacted is you know, if they keep on raising interest rates, this is this is a bad, bad thing. So I'm kind of 
like struggling to make sense of that because the the half a percent rate hike was not a surprise. Everybody predicted that. Okay, so if the markets knew that half a point was coming and that's what they got, did they assume at some point the Fed was going to bail on this strategy of raising rates if interest or excuse me, if the inflation rate stayed at, you know, five and a half percent, six percent, all that? Were they surprised at his commitment to getting it to two? Yeah, there was this belief, if you look at all the analysts from Oppenheimer to J.P. Morgan to Goldman Sachs to et cetera, that the rate hikes were going to stop sometime in first quarter. So the belief was, or at least what I read a lot about, was we're going to do this half point rate hike that's anticipated, and then we'll probably have another half or a quarter, and then we'll kind of cool off and we'll stop doing this, and we'll give the market an opportunity to kind of catch up. And while we might not be in the best uh, inflationary position at that point, we have to come in for this, again, quote-unquote soft landing, or I've heard it described as mm-hmm. a, a Goldilocks approach. You know, we don't want to cool it off too much. We don't want it too hot. We kind of want to land right in the middle. And that's great, but then he came out and said, well, you know, inflation is a big problem, and our responsibility is not to keep the market stable. Our responsibility is to keep the currency stable, and you're putting too much credence in us and our view of what we have to do in relation to the market. That's not our job. And that was met with not good news. Interesting. Very interesting. Set up your free consultation so you understand the news events of the day and have a better handle on how things are going. Aptus Wealth Management is located in Lewis Center just off Route 750. A bit, uh, maybe a mile, a mile, two miles maybe north of 270 and 23. Easy to find. And you can set up that free consultation online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. It kind of reminds me of when I was taking driver's ed, if you drove off the highway a little bit, got your tire off the edge of the freeway or the highway, there'd be a little bit of a drop. And they would always tell you, you know, don't jerk the steering wheel back because you'll overcorrect too much. It'll swing your car over into the other lane, like nudge it back. And I guess what? The uh, markets and everybody were thinking that Jerome Powell was eventually going to say, well, you know, we've had a, a bad performing market for long enough. Now we need to just stop what we're doing. But uh, they appear to, why are they so committed to inflation? I'm glad they are, but what's his rationale for it? Yeah, well, I mean, inflation in general is a terrible thing for all the reasons that everybody listening knows. You know, I mean, paying a lot more for food at the supermarket's a big problem. When you have a scenario where inflation is currently in the 7 plus percent range, but real wages are only going up by 5 something percent, well, you can see how this is going to be a problem in the long run. You better get it under control or people who are already struggling are going to start struggling at an exponential clip. So getting inflation under control is a big deal, not only for, you know, U.S. citizens, but also for global trade, uh, for the appeal of the U.S. dollar still being the reserve currency. We have to have a stable currency. And if our inflation starts careening out of control, which is, make no mistake about it, currency trade is a very, very fickle thing. If you can't get that under control, well, then it's just a bad thing across the board. Now, what the Fed does not care about, of course, they care about the economy. Of course, they care about the virility of the U.S. economy. However, it is not their responsibility to make sure that your stocks go up by a certain rate per year. That's the responsibility of the companies operating in that environment. And, you know, I've heard many, many times over the last, you know, over the last 12 months, why do interest rates even affect the stock market? What is this? Mm -hmm. Why? You know, it almost seems like we're. We're saying a rise in interest rates is synonymous with a downturn in the stock market. And that's not necessarily true. But what is true is that, and I heard Warren Buffett describe it as uh, uh, raising interest rates is like increasing gravity on an apple. I don't know how that works out, but he probably said it wittier than I did. But ultimately what he's saying is 
when you have higher interest rates, you are swimming upstream as a company. Things are more difficult to you. The, the, the barrier to growth is stronger. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just harder. When you have lower interest rates, think about it if you were a company, you can go borrow money at 2%, build your widgets, mm-hmm. sell them at, you know, I mean, your profit margins just sure. get ex- exponentially bigger. So, you know, it's just a, it's a difficult time. Um, and they're going to have to keep on rising them until they get inflation under control, and it's going to be a difficult time to make money in the market. Well, that makes sense to me. I remember when interest rates were super low, we saw a lot of big companies uh, realizing that it was almost irresponsible for them financially related to their investors not to go borrow money and not to go invest in it. We saw a lot of big companies just going and buying up tons and tons of houses because the resale value on the house was going to, their percentage gain was going to far outstrip whatever they were paying in interest. It's not any different now. We've talked about this with an individual's home mortgage rate. The higher the home mortgage rate, the higher your monthly payment, the less house you can afford. So that Buffett quote makes perfect sense to me. And I think, you know, as we look at inflation and you talked about prices in the supermarket, but for our purposes here and for what your purpose is at Aptus Wealth Management, people are concerned about their retirement nest egg, their savings. When things costs go up, like what their saved money can do for them in retirement is diminished. Well, there's something called risk-free return. And and this is kind of how we benchmark all investments. If I just left my money in cash, what can I earn on it? And if I invest in the stock market, what can I earn on it? But how much risk am I assuming by investing in the stock market? Well, if cash is literally paying nothing, so I put my money in a savings account in the bank and they reward me by giving me nothing, I'm much more inclined to put the money in the stock market or go buy stuff with it. Because what's the point in holding on to it? Inflation's going up. My money's eroding purchasing power. I'd rather buy X, you know, good, and then watch that erode. At least I get to enjoyment. But when interest rates start climbing, people are much more inclined to put that money into a savings account than they are necessarily in putting it in the market. If you could get 7% a CD right now, and the average of the market over the last 10 years has been 7%, or 20 years has been 7%, you'd probably just put it in a CD. All day long. No so the, de- the demand for market securities when rates goes up diminishes, and the demand for goods and services starts to steadily go down when inflation is up because people are concerned about a recession and they have higher rates where they can save. So all this kind of points in the direction of, are we headed to a recession? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think will anyone will know the answer to that question until first quarter next year. But I can tell you that anybody who uh, has been around long enough to watch recessions in the past is paying close attention. Yeah, it certainly seems so, judging from uh, commentary in the news. And if you would like to hear these concepts again, you can listen to the replay of the show tomorrow at noon. You can also subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel where we break these down in smaller increments. And the advantage of being a subscriber to the YouTube channel is then, of course, you can share the information. You can pause it, take notes on it, listen to it multiple times, and process it so it becomes second nature for you. You can sign up to be a subscriber to Josh's YouTube channel by going to aptuswealth.com. Click on the subscriber button. You'll get notified every time there's new content. Or you can, of course, go directly to YouTube, youtube.com, and search Josh Pick Finance. You know, talking about interest rates and return and gains and all that, everybody wants to do better than their neighbor. Everybody wants to take what they have saved and multiply it as big as possible. And there's nothing wrong with that, except when you lose sight of risk. And particularly when, in these very few situations, but it's a real situation now, we have this phenomenon of Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX and crypto. And sadly, 
a lot of people who apparently had a big chunk, if not all, of their retirement savings in his cryptocurrency exchange, and it appears that all that money is gone. I'm curious to get your perspective on this as a fiduciary, somebody who is accountable by law to do the very best thing for your clients. It always bothered me when I was in a press conference as a reporter and somebody would ask a dumb question because I felt like it reflected on my profession. I think what Sam Bankman-Fried does and what you do is totally different, but a lot of people would lump you two guys in together because, well, this guy deals with investments and this guy deals with investments, but there's a big, big divide between you and what you do and what your firm at Aptus does and what Sam Bankman-Fried did with crypto at FTX. Yeah, and I, I think this is going to become a larger and larger problem. As you recall, I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago, we talked about how the new generation of investors is focusing more and more on private equity or mm-hmm. private placements. And the reason that they're focusing on that is because these private placements or private equity deals do have, at least on the surface, far superior upside potential. The unfortunate reality of those, and I'm coming back to FTX, and FTX is a lack of regulation, yeah. a lack of restriction, a lack of oversight. And I know there's always this kind of juxtaposition debate of how much regulation should we have, which will then in turn impede growth versus if you know we need some regulation or you have these FTXs. And unfortunately, with these new industries or new phenomenons or new investment vehicles, you have these lack of regulatory situations. Mm-hmm. And that was almost the appeal, right? That was the romantic appeal of FTX is and crypto and crypto in general. You know, I want to get the government out of my back pocket. They don't need to know what I have. They don't need to have control over currency valuations. They don't need to have this. And while, you know, as somebody who's a very independent thinking, uh, you know, conservative natured person, I, I, I understand. However, this is what happens when you have zero oversight. You have incredibly volatile markets that can absolutely be manipulated and you have environments where people like this gentleman can get away with, I wouldn't even call it a Ponzi scheme. I would just call it downright theft. At least a Ponzi scheme, you are taking in money and giving some of it back to yeah. investors. He was just flat out lying. He just didn't have any of the Bitcoin he was saying that he that he was holding for you. So I'm curious. I don't know anything about Bitcoin. You and I have talked about it a lot on our regular hit on my radio show on The Answer, 98.9 The Answer at 1230 Mondays on Money Monday. And you've never been a person who's like, no, no, stay clear away from that. You've always been like, hey, look, you know, if you want to play with it some, just don't, you know, put too much of your assets into it. Be aware it's high risk. It could be high reward. I think you've had a very realistic view of it. But all I really think I know about crypto is that it's a an array of a bunch of numbers. What are you buying when you buy crypto? And, and how's it worth anything? You're buying demand. That's all you're buying. Crypto, if you look at it on the surface, is purely supply and demand. There is no, and you could make the same argument, and they do very, very frequently make the argument about the U.S. currency, which you'll hear is a fiat currency. It's no longer backed by gold. So what is the U.S. currency? What is it? It's backed by the government saying it's worth something. It's Mm. backed by other people being, other countries, other people saying, well, if they said it's worth something, it's worth something, and this is an exchange of, of of goods and you know we can exchange for goods and services with this money. However, when you look at Bitcoin, although you can start to do that, you actually started to see pro athletes accepting some of their salary mm-hmm. in Bitcoin. Yeah. You saw people selling. I think in San Francisco, one of the largest real estate deals ever. The person accepted Bitcoin, so it's becoming more and more accepted. However, 
What is it backed by? Nothing. It's, it's backed by other people wanting to buy it. So if you have it, that's it. Really? Okay. That's it. Now, it, it, to the best of my knowledge, and if anybody knows beyond what I'm saying right now, you know, send in, uh, you can give our yeah, email yeah, address. Bruce, and, Bruce at SalemMedia.com. Yeah, I mean, please, please email me. But beyond that, I, I can't really explain what it is. Now, if there is a finite number of something, let's say that there is, and I can't remember the exact number, but with Bitcoin, there is a finite number. So let's say that there's, you know, 10 Bitcoin we're ever going to issue. Well, then that has value as long as the 10 people holding it believe it has value and other people believe it has value. We can give it back and forth. The problem circling back to this FTX thing is who's tracking it? So I just say I have a thousand Bitcoin and because I have some sort of industry recognition where people go, no, you know, Bruce, you're you're Bruce is a good guy. He's good for it. He's been doing this a long time. If he says it's there, it's there. Is it? I don't know. Or we hear these stories about, well, it's a number to count. I lost my login. Yeah. So now I just lost. So you lost all your your asset. Or here's another flip side of it. If you have a number to count and somebody hacks you and they take your Bitcoin, how do you get it back? That happened to a friend of mine. Happened to somebody I know. And the answer is you don't. You don't get it back. And there is no call your bank and they'll make you whole or call your credit card and say, oh, that was hacked and just credit my account back. No FDIC. No, it's just gone. <laughs> it's just 100% gone. So there are some challenges. And again, do I think that the future of Bitcoin is bleak or the future of crypto. Let's not say Bitcoin, yeah. you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these different cryptocurrencies. I think ultimately we're going to be talking about this for decades to come. I don't think it's going away. But when the dust settles, what will it look like? Nobody has any idea. So if you're going to make this what I would view as not a cash investment, which is the way it's pitched, it's an alternative to cash. It's down 60-some percent this year. Mm -hmm. If you're calling that an alternative to cash, you have a whole liquidity conversation that you need to have with yourself. That is not an alternative to cash. If you're viewing it as a high-flyer type ancillary investment, that's fine. And if you want to allocate a couple percent to that, that's fine. But unfortunately, like we see, people start getting way overweighted in this because it just keeps on, quote-unquote, going up until it doesn't. Yeah, I think it takes advantage of people's worst inclinations and, um, you know, that's one of the things that Josh and his team kind of gauge when you get together with them for your free consultation is what is your risk tolerance? What's your uh, approach to investing? What are you trying to accomplish in investing? And uh, that's one of the things that I appreciate about our conversation when we had it. And you can set up your free consultation at 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You can do it online as well at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. You know, when we talk, there's um, a degree of common sense for me that comes into investing. And um, I look at Sam Bankman, I'd be inherently suspicious of somebody whose operation was based outside the United States. I would be inherently suspicious of somebody who claimed to have that many assets who's 30 years old. There were just to me, and I guess it's easy to say in hindsight, a lot of alarm bells that some really smart people didn't pay any attention to. I mean, I look at Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank, billionaire. I get the celebrity aspect. I get how people like Tom Brady and others like that can get sucked in. He's going to offer them Bitcoin for their endorsement. They're really not out anything. There's no sweat equity in endorsing. You just either decide to do it or you don't. But I am shocked that some, what I would call very smart investors, got taken on this. Weren't there warning signs? Well, and you could say the same thing for the Bernie Madoff scandal yeah. back in the day, right? But 
Let, let's look at the Kevin O'Leary uh, comment here. So I think Kevin, if I recall correctly from an article I read, he lost about fourteen million. Fourteen or fifteen million. Fourteen million. And what's he worth currently? I assume he's a billionaire or close. Billion. Yeah. So let's say that he did, in fact, get taken. He was foolish. What percentage was he willing to allocate towards FTX? $14 million out of a billion isn't a giant percentage. Incremental percentage. So, again, he's taking the same advice that we're talking yeah. about here. But that being said, greed is a powerful, powerful thing. You know, fear and greed, right? The two yes. most powerful emotions, yes. right? So what ends up happening is you hear these stories and you're willing to ignore and if we really sit and, and are honest with ourselves, sometimes we are willing to n- ignore all the warning signs, whether that's dating or, yeah. or buying a car from the wrong person or whatever it is. We're willing to ignore all the warning signs to just focus in on those a potential home run. And the reality is if you look at any, let's, let's just use a, a great um, kind of hedge fund type example where their sole focus is buying into startup companies. So here you have these Harvard-educated, super smart people who are buying 100 startups that they have done in-depth due diligence and research on to predict who is going to be the next great company. Most of their analytics, when you ask them, well, what are you hoping to accomplish? You're going to buy 100 companies. What's that going to look like in 10 years? And they will say 80 to 90% of them will go out of business, five of them will break even, and then we're going to hit five or so home runs. Hmm. So if you think, as you're sitting here listening to this show, that you can pick one and put 80% of your money into it and turn into a bazillionaire, if you're right, I would argue it's probably by luck because people far smarter than me are incapable of those kind of ratios. They just can't do it. You have to be able to spread it around. So if you're looking at Bitcoin, you're looking at Ethereum, you're looking at who's the next Tesla, you're looking at whoever it is, just don't allocate that much. Because probably 90% of what you think is going to be the next Tesla is going to go belly up. But hopefully you hit a home run. But you got to do 10 to do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. The numbers are not in your favor, and they uh, sadly were not in the favor. I, f- I don't feel bad for Kevin O'Leary, and I don't think Kevin O'Leary feels bad for Kevin O'Leary. But the people who have $10,000 in savings and they were hoping to you know, ride the rocket ship to half a million or a million, uh, they were undone by greed. And as you have observed these kinds of phenomenon, these kinds of crashes and things that had their moment in the sun uh is it often uh greed that's at the root of the the downfall or is it that they were just really wrong in their analysis of what was going to happen i suppose the two are somewhat intertwined but to me they're they are you can separate the two some people are just super greedy to where they don't pay attention to the things they should be paying attention to and then there is the possibility that you could just make a bad evaluation or a bad analysis. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a lack of analysis for that matter. I think sometimes we just ignore the analysis. You know, I think it goes this far. Well, here's this cryptocurrency concept. There's only a finite number of them. The demand is through the roof. It started at a dollar. Now it's worth 10,000. It's going to be 100,000 quickly, um, you know, because there's a finite demand. You've seen what we've done so far. Why would you think any differently? Buy here, buy here, buy here. And that's about as far as it goes. Uh, Unfortunately, but what we haven't seen in this FTX that I've seen in other quote unquote Ponzi schemes in the past, uh, because unfortunately I have seen other Ponzi schemes behind the beyond the Bernie Madoff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how this is going to play out with FTX, but I'll give you an example of a Ponzi scheme. So somebody uh, raised uh, about 30 million bucks. They were paying about 3% per month on the investment. 
So it's pretty darn good. You're getting 36% a month or yeah, a year, a right? A year, yeah. So you put your million dollars into it and you're getting $360,000 a year. You leave it in there for two years, you got $720,000 in quote unquote interest. Reality was it was a Ponzi scheme. They were just sending your own money back. And they were spending the money doing whatever they wanted to do. Now, here's the real rub in these things. And I don't know how this FTX is going to play out. But when that Ponzi scheme goes belly up and you say, well, how much of my million dollars am I going to get back? And let's say that everybody gets 20% back on the dollar because the rest of it's all gone. You'd say, well, at least I get 200 buck grand back. No, you don't. So you get $720,000 in interest. You only were supposed to get 200 back. So you owe us $520,000 because it's unfair to the other people that didn't actually take the interest that just reinvested it. So I'll be curious to see when FTX goes down and the receiver comes in and says, okay, well, they didn't have the $14 billion, They had a billion. But you got, you actually liquidated and got some of your money back. Will you have to pay it back in? It's worse than you might think. Wow. That's worth watching. And that's why you need to have somebody who's looking out for your best interest. That's a fiduciary like Josh and the Aptus Wealth Management team. Get a hold of them for your free consultation, 614-917-1040, or set it up online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management, and we will be talking about some end-of-year things that you need to do, and also, uh, what are some surprises that might come up and bite you and ruin your retirement? You can get a hold of Josh and his team at Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040. Set up a free consultation, no obligation at all. Get with them, find out about investing strategies and whether or not they would be good to help steer you through the murky waters of building financial independence as retirement approaches. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, but... They also do a lot of their work with clients remotely, so you need not be in the area at all, and uh, you will find them very easy to deal with. My wife and I are clients and uh, have gained great peace of mind from being clients at Aptus Wealth Management. So, Josh, as we uh, here are in um, approaching the end of the year, let's talk about something that uh, no one wants to happen, a nasty surprise when you get to retirement. I'm sure that you've had people come in who are in a desperate strait, uh, losing money with high-risk investments. That sounds to me like uh, the cryptocurrency thing that happened with FTX or with Bernie Madoff. But um, what do you say to people who, when you come in and you do the uh, free consultation, you find out that, boy, they're really per- uh, perched on the precipice in terms of high-risk investments? Well, you know, I guess this is all relative as to what high-risk is. I think the mo- more important question is, do they even know mm. where they're invested? I think the more predominant thing that I see is people thinking that they're in conservative investments, but they're really not. So, and, and this probably will sound familiar to you because I hear it all the time. Well, I told my guy, yeah. whoever this guy is, I told my guy that I wanted to be kind of middle of the road, whatever that means. And I know that that's what he did. And then I look at what they have and they're, you know, in a hundred percent one growth fund. And they go, no, 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 no. That can't be true because I told my guy that I wanted to be middle of the road. Um, So, you know, I think what's more important is not just being in aggressive investments, but you know, aggressive versus non aggressive, but do you even know where you are and does it fit with you? And, And I think sometimes we also get a little distracted on where we should be, where we think other people think we should be. Uh, There's another thing I hear all the time. I know you're going to think I'm too conservative, or I know you think I'm going to be too aggressive. 
what does it matter what I think? Um, what matters is, are you where you want to be, and do you understand where you currently are, and do those match? Uh, so, you know, being too aggressive can be very detrimental. I'm not suggesting that it can't. Being too conservative can be detrimental. But I think, you know, the more important thing is, are you where you want to be? Yeah, and do you know where you are? Because yeah. like you say, I mean, if you don't uh, monitor at all what your investments are doing or what kind of investments you have, that could definitely be a precarious situation. And uh, when we sat with the, for you uh, with you for the free consultation, um, I didn't feel like you were trying to steer me one way or another. Like, uh, do you have clients that, uh, you know, that's a difficult conversation? Or do you have, I'm sure you've done this a long time, so... Have you found a way to navigate those conversations so people can kind of understand things that they need to understand? Yeah, I think the process eliminates a lot of that potential kind of headbutting. But at the same time, I'm not in the business of trying to strong arm you into one thing or the other. Uh, my job is to simply make you aware of your options, tell you where you should be to get to the destination you want to get to. But that by no means means that it's the right thing for you. And it's a, it's a give and take back and forth. And I'll give you the perfect example. Annuities can be a very polarizing topic. And sometimes somebody will explain to me what they're looking for, and they literally gave me the brochure on an annuity contract. They didn't know that, but then at the end of that, they'll say something to the effect of, but I definitely know I don't want an annuity because my grandfather had one of those, and he hated it, and I'll never do it. Okay, well, I may ask some follow-up questions because it's hard not to recommend it when you just described it in its most finite detail sure but if you don't want it that's okay too i i make the same amount regardless of what we decide to do so it really doesn't matter to me what investment you want it's just that it's the right one for you you know one of the things that i recognize about retirement now much more so than 20 30 years ago is that people can't count fully on social security providing for their entire retirement uh is social security or how does social security enter into being one of those nasty surprises that people get to when they get to retirement? I think more than a nasty surprise, it's, it just is viewed as something that just is what it is. When I get there, when I reach full retirement age, like, like I'll hear this a lot, well, I can't get Social Security until 67, so what am I going to do until then? And I'll say, why can't you get it until you're 67? Well, that's what it says on my sheet. Well, the reality is you can get it anywhere between 62 and 70 or yeah. after that. There's no benefit to waiting until after that really anymore. But the the point is, it should be a more involved decision. For example, a gotcha that hits people quite often is I'm going to retire early because I did the math and I determined that if I retire early and I collect Social Security at 62 and then I go work part time, I can make the same amount of money as if I'm working and I don't have to work this job that I hate. There's a problem there. That is, there's an income limit before the eight, your full retirement age. So if you retire at 62, for every two bucks you make over approximately $20,000, Every $2 you make over that, they take a dollar of your Social Security back. So that could be a huge gotcha. And there's a myriad of gotchas like that in there. Uh, but don't just say it is what it is. Make sure you do some math and some reading before you decide to file, or just call us and we'll give you the cliff notes. Yeah, and their number at Aptus is 614-917-1040. Their web address is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Besides setting up your free consultation, either via the phone or online, you can also subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel, when you are on their site at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and that'll allow you the opportunity to digest a lot of the information that we present here on the show in a format where you pause it, stop it, take notes on it, share it with your friends, subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel. 
by going to Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com, or by doing it by uh, direct search on YouTube of Josh Pick Finance. So I know a lot of people have investments in the stock market. They get to retirement, and uh, maybe the stock market returns haven't been what they thought, but particularly I think that would be on everybody's radar now with the stock market really struggling in light of the inflation that we've had this year. But do you find that you have some clients who, well, I had my money in a certain kind of a fund and it gave me X number of returns for so many years and I really haven't checked it. And whoa, what do you mean the returns aren't what I thought they would be? Yeah, I think there's a a lot to stock market risk. There's uh, one, you should be stress testing your plan. And the way that I define stress testing is what if, and we can think of a myriad of times what has happened. Imagine if you're in 1999 right now and you go, man, come 2000, 2001, I'm going to retire. And you have it in the S&P 500 like so many people do because Vanguard's a great, great marketing engine who says, why in the world would you ever buy a managed mutual fund just by the S&P 500, which has been a great option over the last 10 years. So you do that. And then 2001 happens, you retire, and you get punched right in the face in the first couple of weeks that you're retired, and you lose you know, a whole bunch of your money. Or 2008, 2009, or 1987, or we can just, 72 to 74, we can just keep on going sure. through time periods where this happens. And it happens a lot. I mean, it happens frequently. You know, not, not every year, but it happens enough that it's something that you need to be aware of. Yeah, I tell people all the time that, you know, if you live, as long as you hope you live, you're probably going to see three maybe even four downturns in your retirement. So if you think it hurts while you're working, wait until you count on it and it hits. And all this means, by the way, Bruce, is you simply have to have some layer of protection on certain assets that you have to make sure that that doesn't derail your plan. But unfortunately, all too often, because we're so 401k heavy these days, the lion's share of our income is going to come from Social Security, 401k for most people. Pensions are pretty much dead at this point. So you have your 401k and your 401k gave you stock and bond options and you probably picked those a really long time ago and you just kind of plugged away and now you're trying to draw your money out of it and God forbid you were 90% stocks, 10% bonds and you watch that thing go 30% drop in a matter of a few weeks or a few months and now should I retire, can I retire, what do I do? So you better take a close look on how am I going to manage that volatility and risk. One thing I never hear people talk about when I'm conversing with folks who are approaching retirement, they they have a number in mind of income they're going to need for the year. They're going to need it for their lodging or their groceries or their utility bills or whatever. And I never hear them build in um, money for things that quite likely, I mean, if you retire at 65, you're not going to go the rest of your life probably driving the vehicle that you're driving right now. You're probably going to have to buy one, maybe two vehicles. There are major purchases out there that extend into retirement. Do you find that people understand that, recognize that, and plan for that? Not really. No. I, you know, some people do, obviously. Some people account for, you know, trips, vacations, et cetera, anomalies, if you want to call them that. But unfortunately, all too often, I'll get people that come in and say, well, here's my credit card. Or not my credit card. My uh, my cable bill. Here's my heating bill. Here's my mortgage. And they go down to the penny. I mean, here's I'm, I'm going to spend $921 on food a month, you know. And I go, say, so your plan for retirement is don't die. You're just going to exist. <laughs> you're, 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 you're not going to have any fun at all. You, you worked your entire life so that when you retire, you just get to wake up and not go to work. Sit around and watch TV. Do nothing else, right? So you have to calculate those things. In. And a big one, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, is both cars and houses. Yeah. Most people, by the time they reach retirement, probably only have a certain amount of years left on their mortgage. Well, that changes the game because in nine years from now or seven years or 11 years, you're not going to have it anymore. So maybe 
that has an effect on the viability of your retirement. So things to look at. Yeah, no doubt about it. We are talking about uh, some of the nasty surprises that can re- you ruin your retirement. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show. It airs at 7 p.m. Friday night and replays at noon on Saturday. Check out Aptus Wealth online at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S. Their number is 614-917-1040. And listen to Josh and me on Mondays, Money Monday, on The Answer at 12.30 p.m. Emergency funds are something that people plan for while they're working in case I lose my job or I get sick or something like that. Again, I don't know that people think about an emergency fund when they're in retirement. I think it's it's arguably just as important, if not maybe more important, when you're in retirement. And the reason for that is you no longer have your job to bail you out to pay things off that you didn't plan for. For example, you still live in a house and it can still need a new roof. It's not that's true. Yeah, it I doesn't change. Right, your heater can still go out. Yep, that's not going to change. But on top of that, while you're working, you say, I need an emergency fund in case I lose my job. Well, while you're retired, let's go back to that scenario I said where maybe you didn't allocate money appropriately in a risk tolerance slash portfolio level. And all of a sudden you do enter into those couple of years where the market crashes. Well, you have two choices. Sell all those stocks at a loss so you have money to live off of or have some level of emergency fund so that you can keep your fingers off of those down assets and give them time to come back. Because once you, you know, you've probably heard this before, once you sell a stock, you locked in the losses. But until then, it's just, and I always hesitate to say this because it makes me want to punch myself, paper losses, right? <laughs> but like, I hate when people say paper losses, but truly, they don't become losses until you sell the stock. And if you don't have an emergency fund to weather that storm, well, then they're no longer, quote, paper losses. So here's one that hits home for me, um, the way that children factor into retirement. Because I'm not ready to retire yet. I'm, you know, a decade out or so, but got a late start in my marriage and having kids. And so I've got kids, one that's in college right now and two more that will be soon. I would love to have a comfortable retirement, but I'd also like to provide, you know, a good life for my kids and not incur a bunch of debt in paying for their college. So if I'm balancing toward saving for retirement, while incurring debt for college or not saving for retirement and paying for their college, that's a scales of justice thing that I don't really know which side to weigh. Does that factor into people's retirement? If they are like me, they have kids that are entering college at the time where they're hopefully ramping up with their retirement, like really making some significant headway. I think it goes further than that. Let's assume that you didn't get a late start and now you have kids that are in their thirties. It is, um, an ever-increasing number of people, statistically, are providing for their adult children in some capacity. And you would think, well, okay, that's not you know anybody I know because my friend's adult children are doing really well for themselves. That doesn't seem to be a barrier to entry for the helping of adult children. I have clients, many clients, whose children are earning far more than they ever did in their entire career. And they are still helping to support them because their children simply need some better money management. Now, we mm-hmm. reconcile that as parents sometimes. These, you know, so we all to some degree are enablers, yep, right? Yep, yep. We say, well, you know, once they get over this hurdle, then they'll be better off and I won't have to do it anymore. And there just seems to be hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. 
But that comes in many times because of the lack of planning or the lack of even doing the math that comes at the peril of the parents' ability to make sure they don't run out of run money in retirement because they just simply didn't do the calculation. They just don't know. They say, well, you know, I'm going to help my kids. I'm going to put them through school. If you do the retirement planning piece, if you do the Aptus blueprint piece, mm -hmm. then you know how much you can help. Now, whether you choose to help beyond that or not is up to you, but at least you know. And most people just simply don't know. Yeah, getting answers and understanding things that you haven't thought of is a big part of what we gain by sitting down with Josh and his team for our free consultation at Aptus, 614-917-1040. If you'd like to set that up, no obligation at all. You can also set it up online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, Aptus wealth.com. So another aspect, and we've talked about this a lot, is end-of-life care. We touched a few moments ago on some of those big-ticket items that you might not plan in for your retirement, like new roof on the house or car. But if you really want to talk about a big-ticket item, we tend to sort of think of those as things that will at least be nice to have, a new car particularly. But nobody thinks about big-ticket item and thinks about um, long-term care in a facility but that's becoming more and more of a reality for people, and I would imagine more and more of a reality they need to consider as they think about retirement. Yeah, statistically speaking, 50% of us are going to spend some time in a long-term care facility. Now, we'd like to think it's not us, but that means there's two of us sitting here in the studio. One of us is going to need <laughs> long-term care. Yeah. Uh, so it is what it is. And I think ultimately what we'd like to think or what I hear often is, well, I'll take care of my spouse. I'm not putting my wife in a long-term care facility, to which the wife nods very agreeingly because nobody wants to go to a long-term care facility. Unfortunately, uh, as much as you and I both would like to think that we're super strong, we'll be able to help any way we can, when we're 80 years old, we're probably not going to be picking our spouse up and carrying them around the house. So long-term care becomes an inevitable, inevitable reality for some. And unfortunately, uh, we hear the stats that you know the average stay is about a year. But it's an inverse bell curve, which means for every person who goes in for a month, there's another person that's going in for a really, really long period of time. And we know that dreaded memory care unit. Yeah. And if you go into one of those units and you're in there for 10 years and you think, man, we have a million bucks, we got more than enough. I promise you it will be zero in 10 years. Now, you are entitled in the United States and Medicare uh, and Medicaid, the Medicaid program is governed actually in the States, but it's a federal program. You are allowed to keep certain things like your home as a surviving spouse or like half your money, but maybe half isn't enough. So there are some things that you can do beyond the scope of our short conversation today, but there are some things you can do to protect yourself to make sure that you don't lose all your money or leave your surviving spouse or your spouse is not in the home in a lurch, but you got to get to it now. Yeah, and that's from a personal perspective. I can just tell you guys, that is so real to me. Like I had um, my mom and dad, and we never envisioned that uh, we'd have that long-term care situation, but it developed quickly because uh, we had my father died very suddenly, and then we were in a situation where he was taking care of mom, and that just wasn't a possibility. And, you know, the three boys were all living a distance away. So definitely a part of the retirement conversation, and I'm sure Josh and his team will do a very good job, a sensitive job of discussing that with you, when you sit down for your free consultation, they're in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, 614 917 1040, Aptus Wealth, A P T U S, com. Here's another factor that can strike up to bite people. It maybe wasn't on people's radar in the past, but it's sure on their radar now. 
and that's inflation. I just uh, heard a guy the other day say his retirement is down 30%. That's a very real phenomenon here in the past year or so. Yeah, not only is his portfolio down 30%, but then you look at inflation and he needs a lot more money. And, you know, we've been doing this show for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. And and I had told you a long time ago, you said, well, what do you run inflation at? I said, we run it at about 3%. However, we also stress test that, meaning what if, what if the market goes down the toilet right out of the gate? What if inflation goes much higher than 3%? What if taxes climb? What if, what if, what if, what if, Mm -hmm. what if? Mm -hmm. And at the time, people would go, why are you running all this stress test? I mean, inflation's been 2.5% for the last 25 years. Uh Uh-huh. And before that, it climbed all the way up to, you know, prime rate of 20% back in the 70s and 80s. So it's important that you take these things into account. Now, it does not mean that you should come in and tell me you want your inflation rate to be 100% and you're putting a bunch of sugar in the basement. Because if you believe that, money is not worth money anymore and there's no way I'm going to make your plan run. But we do have to stress test it reasonably. And I think, you know, before we move on to any of the others, we've covered a lot of these things. And a lot of them can seem overwhelming. You know, well, okay, well... Long-term care planning. Yeah. That, that's an hour conversation, at least in and of itself. How do I handle how my investments are allocated? How do I handle income planning, taxes, inflation? When I take my Social Security, what if I have a pension? What do I do? That? Do I take a joint and 50% survivor, joint and 100? Do I take single life? What do I do? There's all these important decisions to make that can seem overwhelming individually. You add them together, and I think sometimes people just grab the stack of papers, throw them up in the air, and run away. Yeah, and that's the wrong reaction. And the other thing I'm just thinking here is you talked about factoring in 3% inflation per year. Uh, We are alive a lot longer now that we retire uh, and life expectancy is longer. So I'm just, if you're going to be retired for 15 years and you're factoring in 3% inflation, and I know the Fed says we're going to try to get it to 2%, but there are many people who doubt they can do that. You're talking about a significantly higher cost of living when you're 85 than you were if you retired when you were 70. And I don't know that people count on that particular escalation in the cost of being retired. Yeah, I mean, if, if inflation stays at, you know, we're currently at 7. Let's say it stays oh. at 5%. 5. If it stayed at 7, you'd need twice as much money in 10 years as you do now. If it stays at 5 in 15 years, you need twice as much money. So you're retiring right now and you say five grand a month's enough. Well, you better have accounted for 10 grand in 15 years. But circling back to what I was getting at, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, lean on you a little bit on this, Bruce, but you've been in, you've talked through the blueprint. Yep. At any point, as people are listening and saying, man, this sounds overwhelming. It's small nuggets, small bites, learning throughout the process, multiple meetings to get to where you need to go. At any point, did you feel overwhelmed? And at any point, did you feel like, man, it's all starting to kind of click? I did not feel overwhelmed. I thought I would. And it was a lot more of a, just a pleasant conversation than I anticipated that it would be. And the thing that I really liked was when you sat down and you had it plotted on a graph where there were like two different tracks and you basically showed us like, here's one way you can proceed. Here's another way you can proceed. And it just, I don't know. I've I've mentioned the phrase before, peace of mind. I came out of it with peace of mind. First of all, the number one peace of mind is that uh, my wife is a CPA, so she knows finances. She was burdened, I would say, by the responsibility of what if I make a mistake? And we know that, I mean, if you're 70 and you go, well, we screwed up our retirement. When you're 30, you can fix some mistakes. When you're 70, you can't. And so I was just glad that she could get to the point where that burden she felt of, I hope I am doing this right. And honestly, I was like, I know she had best intentions, 
But I just feel better, and I know she feels better, having somebody who is legally bound to do the best thing for us and somebody we trust and somebody we like and somebody that we relate to well. So, no, I wasn't burdened. I wasn't overwhelmed. And I, I would tell anybody who wants to sit for that consultation that that's uh, it's a very pleasant fact-finding and, I think, a peace-of-mind-providing type conversation. Well, I appreciate that, and that's what I was hoping you would say because yeah. it would be like for me – I don't know the first thing about cars. I, I know not, I'm a driver. I'm not a mechanic. If somebody said, hey, I'm going to come over this weekend. We're going to take apart your engine, clean it all up, fix it up, put it back together. I, I would have trouble sleeping. But no, we're not. We're not doing that <laughs> because I can't even take an alarm clock apart and put it back together without having extra parts and the alarm clock doesn't work. However, if they said, okay, this is what we're going to do today. We're going to pull the carburetor. There's 27 parts. And they knew definitively, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put it back together. Here's a diagram. We got it done. We're going to move on to the next thing. I could probably get through that. And my hope is that as we handle these topics, that's the way that somebody feels. Well, uh, we certainly uh, hope that at the end of this year, you guys uh, have had a good year financially. It's been a very challenging year financially. If you have questions and if you know that, man, I've put this off too long, I need to do something about it. Uh, I just personally highly recommend Josh and his team at Aptus. 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com. Put them to the test. Again, it's a free consultation. There's absolutely no obligation. You go in, you meet them, you go through the process, and you're never going to be pressured. And uh, I just think that it's something that I'm so glad that we did it. I think you'll be glad that you did it. Josh visits with me every Monday on 98.9 The Answer for Money Monday. The show airs at 7 p.m. Fridays and noon Saturdays. Subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel by going to AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.